Cop Who Wouldn't Quit by Edward Ziegler. Shot and left to die, Kenyon Tuthill was determined to bring his assailant to justice. Policeman Kenyon Tuthill heard the old tan coupe before he saw it. The noisy muffler caught his attention as the car travelled along Railroad Avenue on Long Island, New York. Noticing the vehicle lacked a valid inspection sticker, Tuthill pulled the driver over. Why are you stopping me, growled the man behind the wheel. Radioing for a computer check, Tuthill learned that the licence of the driver, an unemployed 23-year-old named Neil Ludwigson, was invalid too. Now, on the afternoon of May 27, 1986, the 39-year-old officer issued Ludwigson three tickets for a faulty muffler, a lapsed inspection sticker and driving without a valid licence. Ludwigson objected bitterly. You got nothing better to do than hassle people? Tuthill calmly explained that if Ludwigson had to drive to work, a judge would probably allow him a restricted licence. No, Ludwigson snarled. I'm not going to talk to any judge. I'm going to settle this with you. An 11-year police veteran, Tuthill was used to the bluster of motorists cited for traffic violations. He sensed no particular menace as Ludwigson drove away. An hour and a half later, Tuthill was parked in a shopping centre, completing paperwork on the tickets he had issued that day. The sound of a loud muffler broke his concentration. He saw Ludwigson's vehicle approaching. What does this bozo want now, Tuthill wondered. He looked away just long enough to close his memo book and cap his pen. As Ludwigson's car pulled alongside the patrol car, Tuthill saw the barrel of a 12-gauge shotgun aimed directly at his head. Throwing himself flat across the front seat, he simultaneously slammed his squad car into gear and jammed the accelerator to the floor. But the vehicle, its front wheels turned to the left, slammed into Ludwigson's vehicle and stopped. By then, Ludwigson had leapt from his car and was sighting the shotgun right at Tuthill. There was a thunderous roar and a bullet slammed into Tuthill's face. As Ludwigson fled, Tuthill, unable to see, groped for the microphone on his police radio and tried to speak. His voice was gone. His tongue had been shredded like spaghetti. Touching his face, he discovered that he had no upper jaw, no nose, no cheekbones. Somehow he managed to get out of the patrol car, but sank to the pavement. He felt helping arms and a woman's voice. Sir, would you mind if I prayed for you? Tuthill nodded, but what he wanted was to mention who had shot him. Catherine Van Den Heuvel, captain of the District Volunteer Fire Department's ambulance squad, knew Tuthill but didn't recognise him when she arrived at the scene of the shooting. His face was a mass of mangled flesh. En route to the hospital, he fought desperately to remain conscious, gesturing that he wanted to write something. An emergency medical technician held up a wrapped gauze pad, but Tuthill's scribble on it was illegible. Another try... Are you trying to spell the word tickets? The technician asked him. Yes, Tuttle nodded emphatically. When they got to the hospital, the technician handed the gauze packet to detectives waiting there hoping to question Tuthill before he died. Tuthill was determined not to panic. He thought of his grandfather, gravely wounded in World War I while rescuing two mates. This one's too far gone, a medic had said. Like hell I am, Tuthill's grandfather responded. He survived and was awarded a medal for gallantry in action. 
Now, as Kenyon Tuthill was wheeled into the emergency room, he thought he heard someone say, I don't think this guy's going to make it. He wanted to shout, yes, I will, like his grandfather, but he couldn't speak. He recognised the voice of Detective Ed Fandry, a longtime friend. Can you hear me, Ken? Fandry asked, taking Tuthill's hand gently. Squeeze once for yes and twice for no. Tuthill pressed once. Do you know who shot you? Tuthill squeezed once. Through a series of questions, the detective learnt critical facts. The attacker was a white male in a tan coupe. But there was more. Tuthill couldn't recall his assailant's name, but the licence number was locked in his mind. He gestured for paper and pen. In a blood-streaked line, he wrote, 5900BAA. This is the shooter's licence number? Fandry asked. Tuthill squeezed once. All right, Fandry said. We're going to get this guy. Doctors decided to rush Tuthill to the nearby trauma centre of University Hospital at Stony Brook. Kathy Tuthill first met Ken at the James Sport Congregational Church, where his mother was choir director and his father a Sunday school teacher. One night when she was 13 and Ken 16, they were flirting and the next thing she knew he was asking her to be his girl. The man she fell in love with was independent, different, but always in charge. He was on his high school's wrestling team and a bosun's mate in the Navy. He graduated from New York Institute of Technology with high honours. And he rode a Harley Davidson. But what he had always wanted was to be a police officer. Just shy of the minimum height, 170 centimetres, Tuthill went to a chiropractor the night before the physical, hoping somehow to gain the needed height. The next day, he stretched flat in the back of a friend's station wagon on the drive to the exam. There, he measured exactly 170 centimetres and passed. At the first glimpse of her husband at the hospital, Kathy froze. But feeling the strength in his hand, she sensed his determination to live. He's going to make it, she decided. His voice, though muffled and hard to understand, said as much. Before he was wheeled into the operating theatre, a detective told Tuthill that Ludwigson had been caught. The entire structure of Tuthill's face had been ripped away. His eyes had suffered massive damage from the force of the blast. In a series of marathon operations over a two-month period, a team of surgeons transplanted sections of rib to rebuild Tuthill's cheekbones and skin to reconstitute the lower portion of his face. The remnants of his tongue were stitched together, partially restoring his speech. Pain was agonising and constant. Tuthill had difficulty breathing and swallowing. With no upper jaw or teeth, he could eat only soft foods. But the prospect of Ludwigson's trial, scheduled for the end of the year, kept him going. He was determined to testify and put his assailant behind bars. Still, his physical problems dogged his every waking moment. When doctors said he would probably remain 98% blind, even the resolute officer began to feel hopeless. One of his surgeons, Mark Swerdloff, came to visit. Sensing his patient's anguish, Swerdloff gently told him that losses, however overwhelming at first, could be overcome. What do you know about loss? Tuthill asked bitterly. Put your hand out, Swerdloff said. Tuthill felt cold, tubular metal. This is a wheelchair, the doctor continued. This is where I spend my waking hours. I know what it means to lose parts of the body. 
Just weeks before his marriage, Swerdloff explained, he'd been driving with his fiancée when his car stalled. As he got out to push, a car driven by a drink driver crashed into him, crushing his legs. Both were amputated above the knee. Getting well enough to appear in court now became Tuthill's primary goal. His hearing had returned to normal, but taste and smell were gone forever. The scent of Cathy's perfume would never again be his to relish. Nearly as painful was the torment that he could no longer enjoy what was perhaps his favourite pastime, riding his Harley. Neil Ludwigson's trial on attempted murder and other charges began in December 1986. There was total silence when Tuthill took the stand. Jurors were shocked by his appearance. Despite partial reconstruction, he still had no upper jaw, palate or teeth, and he was hard to understand. Nevertheless, his testimony made a deep impression. The jury found Ludwigson guilty on all counts. He was sentenced to 25 years to life, with no chance of parole until the year 2011. The verdict left Tuthill euphoric. Within days, however, his purpose suddenly gone, he felt himself slipping, growing angry at everybody. At times, he sank into deep depression. One afternoon, sitting alone in his den, Tuthill got up and groped his way around the eight-room house, breaking every mirror that he could find. He was in such a frenzy that he began to think of suicide. Only slowly did Tuthill regain some of his fighting spirit. He began to use a cane and a guide dog instead of being led about by Cathy. One day, Tuthill decided to study for the sergeant's examination. For eight months, with Cathy's constant help, he crammed tirelessly. Of the more than 600 candidates who took the test, Tuthill came in 26th. On January 31, 1992, veteran officers fought back tears as Tuthill received his gold sergeant's badge, number 772. Tuthill went on to endure four more major operations. His right cheek and right eye socket were repositioned. Nasal passages were rebuilt so that he could breathe and swallow more easily. His right fibula, the long secondary bone in his lower leg, was removed and shaped to become a new upper jaw, hard palate and cheekbone. His calf muscle was turned into a new soft palate. A short time later, he could open his mouth normally for the first time in six years. With his guide dog, a German shepherd named Shogun, at his side, Tuthill is in demand as a speaker at community functions and police training sessions. Among other things, he stresses the importance of keeping one's composure in a crisis. One morning, before dawn, Tuthill stepped out on the deck of his house. Somewhere on the highway, he recognised the throaty roar of a Harley-Davidson. He heard the rider stop for a red light and pictured himself astride the Harley, waiting for the light to change. He knew all the choreography by heart. I heard the spirit calling me to ride again, as Tuthill wrote about the experience in his local newspaper. Amber light, right hand cracks the throttle, left hand pulls the clutch lever in, left heel pushes down on the gear shift. Green light and instantly the right hand opens the throttle, the left releases the clutch, the right foot comes off the ground and the big bike moves smoothly away. Tuthill's joy quickly turned to envy. He was thinking of his own Harley, getting dusty in the garage. As the other machine faded out of earshot, Tuthill felt part of himself leave with it. At that moment, he wrote, 
I let go of the hate, the rage and the envy. Let them leave with the spirit on the bike. Dr. Swerdloff was right. Losses, however overwhelming at first, can be overcome. A strange serenity came over Kenyon Tuthill, a peace born of understanding, and with it a sense of acceptance he'd never known before. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au. Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Narration by Zoe Mernier. Sound production by Ricky Price. Thank you.